Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing. My name is Nathaniel Mayhew, and joining me today is Pastor Mark Tiefel as we continue our series on the disciples or followers of Jesus. We might call them apostles. At least for the majority of these individuals, they were called by Jesus, sent out by Jesus, and we're learning the lessons from their lives and kind of applying the truths of their qualities, their characteristics to see the benefits in our own lives as well. Last time we looked at the example of the apostle Peter. This week, we're looking at another very familiar apostle, although he's in a slightly different category than Peter and the others that we've considered so far. We're going to take a look at the apostle Paul. Mark, welcome. Glad to have you with us as we continue our series on the apostles of Jesus. Glad to be here to keep the discussion going. So before we get into Paul, let's just talk briefly about how Paul is different from the other disciples or apostles that we've covered so far. What makes him kind of in a different category? Well, there's a lot of things. Uh, Obviously, the most straightforward one would probably be that he was a persecutor of the church before he was converted, uh, known as Saul uh, in the scriptures, and was about as opposed to Christ as one could be, uh, and yet became one of the most influential of the apostles. Another difference about Paul was that he was not what we might say one of the 12, one of the original apostles. He's often referred to as the 13th apostle or the apostle to the Gentiles. Essentially, Paul was not uh, part of the group that followed Jesus during the gospel accounts. He was not called at the same time as Peter, James, John, and the others, as we've discussed. But it's not until the book of Acts that Paul is called to follow Christ. And another, the third thing we might add to that that is different about Paul is that uh, his background was different. And also the way that God called him to the faith was different than all the other apostles as well. Paul being a Jewish birth, but also a Roman citizen, and then also the being called in a miraculous way, seeing the vision of Christ on the road to Damascus. Okay, let's let's dig into a couple of these for just a minute. Let's talk about the fact that Paul's background was different than the other disciples. He was Jewish, so in that sense, he was the same as all of the others that we've talked about, but he was a Pharisee. Talk about that just a minute. That is a, that's a very unique, there were very few Jewish leaders that became followers of Jesus. And the majority of them, like Paul, didn't become followers of Jesus until after his death. Like you might think of Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea were a couple of other names. As you mentioned, Paul was much later, even after Joseph and Nicodemus. But talk about how that would have been a struggle and how that impacted Paul's life and and even his ministry later on. Yeah, it's a really interesting element of of Paul's background that he was a Pharisee. In the book of Philippians, when he writes the letter to the Philippians, he talks about how he was a 
of the, the tribe of Benjamin. He was an Israelite through and through. He was a Pharisee concerning the law. So he wasn't just a Pharisee by name, but he was he bought into the the system and the ideology, and and he was a, a very zealous follower. We know that uh, at the martyrdom of Stephen, that Saul uh, was standing by, assisting the persecutors who killed Stephen. Uh, so he was very much filled with fervor and zeal from the pharisaical standpoint. And that would have been a, a very unique experience for Paul because uh, he would have been so embedded into the way the Pharisees thought uh, from early on. And we know that the Pharisees were one of the groups that was highly opposed to Jesus during his ministry and one of the ones that he Jesus called out and corrected on a number of occasions. And so, you know, we, we talk about Paul being an unlikely follower of Christ because of it, the ways he persecuted the church, but there's a reason why it was like that. And, and it's because of growing up in that system as a Pharisee and being taught the law in a legalistic sense, being familiar with the scriptures and feeling like his works and his efforts and his knowledge of the word was what connected him to God and not necessarily seeing a need for following a savior, a Messiah who had come. So a very unlikely candidate in that sense, but also I think something that God used to the benefit of Paul's ministry later on, that he was educated in these ways, that he knew the word of God, that he was able to see the, the very specific errors that the Pharisees had gone astray in and, and lead the Jewish people through that, but then also to be able to reach out with the truth to the Gentile world as well and make applications in that sense. It's, it is amazing to think about that, that I wonder how often we reflect on the fact that when we have been ingrained in a particular way of understanding things, how hard it is to overcome that. And I mean, we're going to get into the conversion of Saul in just a minute to the Apostle Paul, uh, an amazing account there also in the book of Acts. But it's a testament simply to the work of the Holy Spirit that brings that about because he was certainly zealous for what he believed to be correct leading him to persecute what, what he would call the way, the people of the way, he thought he was doing God a favor by doing that. And then on the road to Damascus, when the Lord brings him to faith, then there's a change. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about the conversion account. It's a familiar account, but how that develops. And then talk a little bit about what happens after his conversion, before he really becomes the, the Paul that we know. Uh, what what kind of takes place in in that time frame after his conversion? So dig into his conversion just a little bit. Yeah, so the conversion of Saul is mentioned primarily in Acts chapter 9, but it comes up three times in the book of Acts. Paul recounts it later on in his ministry as proof that he wasn't an imposter, that he was a true follower of Christ and, and uses it as his defense when he's on trial before the Romans. Uh, but Paul is, or Saul at that time, is on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians there, to, to round them up, imprison them, possibly kill them. You know, he, he went from town to town doing this. And he sees a vision of Christ on the road there um, outside the city. And, you know, Christ speaks to him and says, why are you persecuting me? And, you know, uh, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you to push back on God's will, essentially, is what Christ was saying there. And, and so you see what you mentioned there, that Paul had a, a deep spirituality, we might call it, a, a desire and a sense to serve God and to be with God. Uh, and to do the right thing in his life, religiously speaking. 
but he was so misguided in the pharisaical mode of thought that he was actually working against God. And, and Jesus himself showed uh, that to, to Paul directly or Saul on the road. Uh, and then Saul becomes blinded through that vision and is taken to uh, the city and is, is kind of nursed back to health by a Christian Ananias. Uh, and eventually Ananias baptizes Saul and he, he, he's, you know, he becomes Paul from that point on and becomes called by, by Christ and, and goes into the ministry there. And then, you know, that's, that enters now into this uneasy period of transitioning this, this guy who was a great persecutor of the church now to working right alongside Peter and the others and trying to figure out what his place is there. And that's where the book of Acts develops and continues and, um, goes on to the Jerusalem council in chapter 15, where it's decided that Paul will go to the Gentiles and Peter will go to the Jews. And that's how they'll, they'll divvy up the responsibilities. But there's obviously a lot of apprehension in the church at that point about whether they could trust Paul or whether this was sort of an insider move uh, to gain traction into the church. And then in between those, those events where Paul was converted and he took up his active missionary work and did his missionary trips, he also took a a couple years, kind of a, an exodus or a hiatus, if you will, um, into Arabia. We don't exactly know a lot of what he was doing there, but we believe that, that God was training Paul in some ways to be ready for the missionary work, as well as giving the church a little bit of a buffer before he gets introduced into the full ministry there. So let's jump ahead a little bit after he comes back from Arabia. Paul, once again, emphasizing his nature as a person who is zealous for God, now directed in the correct way. Boy, we see the Lord using that zealousness in some pretty amazing ways. And I think of maybe two ways in particular that probably stand out to me, the way that the Lord used the Apostle Paul, and that is in what he did and what he said, or maybe what he wrote. Talk about the amazing nature of what Paul accomplished following his conversion for his savior in those two spheres. Well, you're right. You divide it up and in, into what he said or wrote and what he did. And, you know, just backing up from that, that point for a moment and, and taking stock of what we talked about leading up to this, I think you see, like we said, God used Paul's training as a Pharisee to help him in his later ministry work. But I also think God used Paul's background as a persecutor to help him appreciate what he had found in Christ too. And in what you see with Paul's ministry and with what he wrote and, and what he taught and what he did, you see, I, I want to say like a uniqueness about it, that you, you, get, you grasp a sincerity of somebody who knows what it's like on the other side, who knows what it's like to not have Christ and what that life is like. And Paul pushed the unbelief side of his life to the greatest extent that he could push it. He was, he was as zealous and as fervent in that mode of belief as he could be. And it left him lacking at the end of the day. And you, you see the appreciation and gratitude that, that Paul has for faith in the way that he goes now out and, and ministers. Uh, there just isn't, isn't a parallel in the early Christian church in, in all of Christianity, really with, with what Paul did and what God used him to do. But I don't think it would have been like that if Paul hadn't gone through the experiences he went through earlier on in his life. But, and, and that's what we, we tend to see even in our own life and even in our own faith is that, you know, when, when we 
are firmly embedded and ingrained in, in a system that is opposed to God or maybe a lifestyle of sin, um, you know, an error of, of the word. When we see God correct that in our lives, it helps us appreciate and value what we've been given so much more. And it makes that much bigger of an impression on our life to see what we've been rescued from. And I think you really see that in Paul's ministry, uh, just what he, what he wrote. Uh, all the letters, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon. I mean, almost the entire New Testament uh, letters or epistles there are from Paul. And and it's not like they're all the same either. The, the, the letters are vastly different in their content and their expression and the doctrinal truths in them. And you see Paul touching on the individual and unique circumstances of each group of Christians that he wrote to, but then also the, the power of the actions that he could, that he did the three missionary journeys. He went through all the churches he started uh, tracing through. I mean, it would, it would be a marvel in our modern age of, of uh, transportation and technology for somebody to be able to do that. And think about Paul without automobiles, without trains, you know, being able to do all this, uh, just the simple fact he talks about how one little detail he was shipwrecked three times i mean just take that one little detail of his of his work and think about how incredibly profound that is that that that's an experience that he went through and it was just one little blip on the radar of what the lord used him to accomplish so there's a ton there when it, when we see what paul did and what he said and there's no there's no doubt that it makes sense of why he's so integral to the new testament church today uh, but you, you see, it all starts from the very beginning of what the Lord led him through, what the Lord rescued him from. And that's what really created that stable foundation for his ministry moving forward. So when you talk about Paul and the letters that he wrote and the travels that he made and, and you know, you, you see this mountain of a man, this man who is. Uh, probably, you know, physically fit and strong and gifted and eloquent and, and all of these things. But in reality, when we take a look at the scriptures, that's not actually what we find with the Apostle Paul, is it? Not a man who is this, uh, this wonderful specimen of humanity. He actually talks about the, the many struggles that he had. And this is, I think this is amazing too, to understand that Paul through the work of the spirit, accomplished these things, was driven to do these things in spite of his physical impediments. Do you want to talk about some of those? Yeah, by all accounts in the scriptures, what we gain from our sort of portrait of Paul is that he was somebody who had physical limitations and he was not a, a gifted speaker, but he was very intelligent. And I think that's why you see the Lord using him a lot in what he wrote rather than so much in what he spoke to people. But there were times where he actively taught and preached too. But he talks about in a number of letters how he's weak with words. Um, I think even Peter talks about how Paul's letters are hard to understand uh, because of that. He talks about in, in 2 Corinthians 10, the, the thorn in his side, the you know some type of physical infirmity that he had. And, and he asked the Lord for deliverance from it a number of times that the Lord used it as an example of, how Paul would find hope in the Lord's power, not his own. And so you don't see this, this monumental individual that we might think of in the church through the apostle Paul, but you see somebody who in, in worldly terms was quite weak, uh, was not the, the model preacher or the strong leader, but the Lord channeled his power through Paul. And that's what made 
Paul do great and magnificent things. And what a wonderful lesson for not just us as pastors, but any anybody in the church seeking to serve God. The lesson of Paul reminds us that it's not about your individual gifts, even though God can use those things and we want to be aware of those things. It's about channeling the word of God through what you say and what you do so that people would see Christ through you. And that's exactly what you see through Paul. I think a great example of that is 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul writes, I am the least of all the apostles who are not worthy to be called an apostle. Now, he doesn't mention here because of a physical infirmity, but he says, because I persecuted the church. So Paul also had to deal with that background, that baggage, having to live with that. But he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. But not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So is there a better example of it than that, where Paul says, I'm okay admitting that. I'm okay with people realizing it's not my works. And, and what a departure from the pharisaical mode of thought. But I am now resting completely on the grace of God. You know, you see a lot of parallels with Paul and Martin Luther, too where Luther, Luther grew up in the same mode of emphasizing the law, focusing on what he had to do, strict legalistic practices to earn God's favor. But then it's when he discovered God's grace that he became a completely different person and, chan and channeled that grace through everything that he did. And that's what made the profound effect on people. Well, when we go through these, we sometimes talk about things that are unknown. Uh, hopefully some of the things that we've covered you You've learned some things that maybe you didn't know about the Apostle Paul. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that people might not know about the Apostle Paul. He was a Roman citizen. You mentioned that, that earlier. That played a pretty important role in his missionary journeys, and the Lord used that in a couple of ways. You want to talk about that or maybe some other things that you found to be unique about what we don't know or don't always hear about the Apostle Paul? Yeah, the, the big one would be the Roman citizenship that he had because he was born in Tarsus, which was a Roman province. He was granted citizenship through that, but was also Jewish by birth. So he was really, in that sense as well, a perfect missionary to the early church because so many of the issues that the church was going through were based on Jew-Gentile relationships. You think about the Jerusalem Council as an example of that. The, the book of Galatians talks a lot about that, where Paul really in, in a beautiful way develops from the Old Testament uh, how, the, how the, the message and promise of Christ was always there. The gospel is always there in the Old Testament, but it was obscured for a long time by the way that the, the Jewish people practiced it. Uh, but it also helped him along in his day-to-day -day affairs with being a missionary where he could appeal to the Roman governors when he was persecuted and he could gr be given a, a certain uh, right and, and stature under the law that other missionaries and Christians may not have had that were of Jewish descent. And so as a Roman, he would have been protected from scourging and crucifixion, uh, also given the right to speak and uh, uh, for his defense. And, you know, that that's what how the book of Acts unfolds at the very end as he's traveling to Rome uh, to be given a hearing before the leaders there. Uh, of the charges that were made against him. So you see, again, the Lord using that unique element of Paul. Uh, you see the Lord's plan, 2020 visions, hindsight, looking back on what he wanted Paul to accomplish. Um, and, and, you know, some other interesting things about Paul's, he was a tent maker as well. So he, he had a side business where he, he didn't get, he didn't get his, you know, full pay or support from the ministry alone, but also had to do other tasks as well and involved with that. And, 
Um, again, another very interesting and important feature about Paul is all the congregations he started along the way in Asia Minor, in Greece, uh, moving up onward and upward all the way to Rome, where it's believed that he was martyred. So just to give people a little perspective on the investment that the Apostle Paul made to his work as a missionary, you mentioned the three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. If you were to take that and combine the, the length of time that the Apostle Paul was gone on these missionary journeys, total them all up, how long would he have been gone and how many miles would he have traveled? Well, the estimate that I found was he would have spent 10 years total on the work and would have traveled over 8,000 miles. So it's pretty significant, unbelievable, especially in that day and age where you yeah. think about how travel was made. I mean, unreal. Well, think about just designating 10 years of your life to the service of Christ in that way. And as you mentioned, he was a tent maker. So he largely did that. There was some support from Antioch when those missionary journeys began, but he largely did that on his own, supporting himself along the way. That's just simply amazing. Imagine yeah. packing up all of your belongings and starting to travel across the world, doing that for 10 years. But, but when you think about that too, there's, an, there's another side to that that's interesting that you think of maybe Paul lived to be 50, 60 years old, perhaps. That's only 10 years. That's a fraction of his life that the Lord used. And think of all he accomplished in that little amount of time, all the letters he wrote, all the, all the congregations he started, all the distance he traveled. The majority of Paul's life was spent opposed to God and yeah. not doing God's work. And yeah. God used that tiny little fraction of his life to accomplish so much. And so it's a reminder for us, you might feel like ah, my opportunity to serve the Lord has passed me by and I, I wasted my chances and I've done, all, I've done so many foolish things. You never know what the Lord can do with just a tiny sliver of time. And it's never too late to get started on that as the apostle Paul, that's, that was his experience, but that's what we remember him for, right? That, that 10 years of his life is what he's remembered for, not everything else that led up to that. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic takeaway from the apostle Paul is that it's, it's never too late, no matter, no matter where you are. And, and, and reflecting too on the mistakes that we've made in the past, those mistakes aren't ever too great either. And look at how the Lord used an individual like the Apostle Paul, even for a shorter period of time of his, you know, the, the overview of his life, but he used them in such a great and in such an impactful way, not only in that time frame, but in generations that would follow as well because of the people that he impacted during his during his ministry. Any other thoughts, Mark, just as a close to the Apostle Paul? Yeah, I think I just reiterate that same point that, you know, the great leaders of faith, the Christians that do the work of God. They don't come prepackaged that way. Every everybody's life comes from a certain context, a certain upbringing, and we certainly don't want to hasten after error or sinful living or anything like that. But we recognize that the Lord can use those things to His benefit, and I think we see that with the Apostle Paul most of all in the Scriptures, where that sincerity and gratitude he had for what Christ had done for him, he trusted it completely. And that's what made him accomplish great things in the name of Christ and, and be a vessel that God used in that way. And so again, a reminder that you don't have to have a, be, a, be the type of Christian that feels like you've got it all put together. That's not what's going to make you equipped for the ministry. It's having a strong reliance on 
Christ on the very message that you're promoting. I think that's the great legacy of the Apostle Paul. I think of his words to young Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And boy, we have that example in the Apostle Paul of doing that very thing, the, the love that he had for Jew and Gentile alike, for sinners, to receive the same forgiveness that he had received undeserved of himself. Uh, and what a, what a legacy for him and for us also to realize the very same thing that we too, like Paul, are the chief of sinners and that Christ has paid our debt as well. Mark, thanks for taking us through this, certainly enjoying this series and digging into these individuals whom the Lord used in so many various ways with so many different backgrounds, but how the Lord can use each one of us. So thank you for your time again today. Lord bless each one of you too in your ongoing study of God's word. May these stories of individuals that the Lord has chosen to be his very own and to serve in his kingdom motivate each one of us to use our gifts in a similar way. Lord, keep you until next time. We hope that you will join us next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time, go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.